Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salam ala nabiyyina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It is uh, such a pleasure again to be with all of you and I, and I can't thank our dear teachers enough for giving us so many wonderful points uh, to think about in, in raising our children in this very, in this time that we're living in collectively. And I think that it resonated a lot with me personally and I think inshallah with all of you also. Uh, there's a lot to say. I was trying to think how I could kind of kind of, uh, you know, plan, structure my talk along the lines of whatever has been said already. Uh, I was reminded by, you know, Ustad uh, Abu Hanifa's beginning talk when he spoke about the um, the companions uh, of the cave, the, the fitya, the, the children who were in the cave during the onslaught against true faith. Uh, and they held on to their faith and Allah strengthened their hearts uh, in affirming la ilaha illallah. Um, and... And Allah made that a miracle for us to reflect on every week, every time we read Surah Al-Kahf in the Qur'an. And I thought about the context there about living in a society of, of Roman rule, of Greco-Roman tradition, where people were affirming other than Allah as being God and people were subjugating others for not accepting that, that belief system. And here we have these isolated young children who withdrew themselves and ended up in a cave, a miracle from Allah, and they held fast to their faith as a small unit of believers. And the rest of them, the rest of the others, the majority were still following the ways of their forefathers and worshipping the, the God, the man-made gods that people had manufactured in, in the Roman tradition. Now it's interesting because our world, in fact, in some respect, is like Rome. It's like Rome, and it's been a, a point made by you know, authors before like Neil Postman and Douglas Rushkoff and Neil Gabler and, and Daniel Burstein and others that the celebrities of today are like the emperors of Rome. And what was common, in fact, between the two is that in, in, the, Roman, in the age of the Roman Empire, uh, people would see emperors like people see celebrities today. That they would seek a kind of a pseudo-proximity to emperors as a way of validating their own self-importance. And so therefore, you're not important, you're not very worthy, but by being close to the emperor, you would achieve a sense of pseudo, uh, you know, greatness about yourself. Closeness, closeness. I have to be close to the emperor, and that means I was there once upon a time, I was there next to him or her. And secondly, by owning something that the emperor once had or used, like a piece of his tunic or a piece of his bed, and that would validate then their own sense of self-importance. If you think about how that works with the celebrity culture today, how people, they think they have to be close to the celebrity and stretch their hands on it. I want to get a touch of you, you know, to feel, I got to feel important. And I could then tell my classmates and my friends, I once that was me, <laughs> in the blurred image, in the picture. That was, that's me, right? Stretching my hand out to get a feel of that sense of closeness. So we validate our own sense of importance by being with those that we've manufactured to be important in the first place. Or secondly, to own something celebrity once owned, like a piece of his, you know, toothpaste or his toothbrush or something like that. And it would mean as if we've kind of made ourselves important. What we've actually done is that we've We've, uh, we've manufactured the celebrity to satisfy our own exaggerated expectations of human greatness. Now think therefore about those young boys in the cave who were not like therefore the others who were you know, very fixated, fascinated by the false idol, the false god of uh, 
of celebrityism in the, in, the, in, the, in the image of the emperor, that they withdrew from that. That requires something. It requires something. I think we're living very much in the age of, of an image, of the age of the image. That we have a conflation that our young children are in fact experiencing and battling with. And that is, that is kind of you know, being uh, drawn towards a world of image and image making and imagery or being drawn by the will of Allah towards a world of ideals, an ideal setting. An image, of course, is something that is created, it's designed, it's drawn, it's kind of given the gloss and it has all the industry backing it. And then, of course, it doesn't, you don't serve it, but it serves you. It makes yourself look beautiful. You look wonderful in the form of the image. But the ideal isn't like that because the ideal is something already there you know, through tradition or culture or religion. And what happens is that by living with the ideal, the ideal serves you, right? You, you better society by way of the ideal. And that is the difference between the image and the ideal. Now in the Prophet's time, وسلم, a man once came to him in Mecca and he began to shake in his presence, right? People, they saw that and the Prophet, of course, saw that himself, وسلم, and the man was shaking, you know, and the Prophet seeing that, he says to him, Just cool yourself down, relax, because I am not a king. I am the son of a woman from Quraysh who used to eat meat, dried, salty meat on the floor in the desert. And although he had the best of images, وسلم, the idea was that there was a, a set of ideals that Islam was bringing forth to help the people of Mecca to realize the, the, the truest, fullest human potential in becoming servants of Allah and then in becoming you know, productive citizens of a society. An ideal setting. Like the man who came, he said, Oh Muhammad, you're leading people astray and the Prophet of Allah says, Allah, that's Allah leading people astray and guiding people. He said, what are you telling people? He said, I'm telling them to you know, give money to poor and worship Allah alone, not to kill their children alive. And the man then says, Ashhadu annaka Rasulullah, I testify then you are the Rasul of Allah. Like what was the ideals that were generated in society that people could latch on to, that would move them away from a life of, of a pseudo-culture? It's, inter it's interesting because if you think about uh, image and image making, right? What does it mean? Like we have two forms. We have Suratul Insan al-Zahira and Suratul Insan al-Batina. The ulama, they discuss, we have two kinds of images about us as our children do, all of us. We should teach this to our children. So we have an outer external form of, of, of a person. That is you when you see yourself in the mirror. You see yourself, you see your beauty, you see your shape, your form, your color, complexion, or that's your outer form. And then there's Surah Al-Insan Al-Bad, then there's the inner form of a man, then there's the inside of you. Then there is the, the, uh, the real you, that's the, the, the character of you. That's the heart of you, that's the inside of you, that's what you really have that's ingrained within you. Now the, the, the trouble is, I think, for all of us really living in this time and for our children, is that if there is an over-obsession, an over-fixation with the outer form, because that's what's being sold on the media and they're only seeing these amazing uh, fabricated images of human greatness and they think, well, that's what I gotta aspire to. I was in Pakistan. I was in Peshawar, Lahore, it's about Karachi, and it's almost, because remember the same things that we're affected by are what they're affected by. 
and the same kind of, you know, quote-unquote idols that people are really uh, fixated with and by in, in our societies and in this country are the same ones over there in those, in those cities in that country. It's the same malaise, it's the same problem, right? So therefore, to move away with, with these temporal feelings of self-aggrandizement, it's like narcissist. Narciss Interesting. Narcissus you know, is from the Greek, um, the Greek uh, story of, of Narcissus, where narcissism comes from. Self-aggrandizement, a feeling of self-indulgent, self-indulgent power and achievement. You know, Narcissus was somebody, they say in, in the Greek mythology, who fell in love with himself. He loved himself so much that he disdained, he disliked others uh, because he loved himself too much. You love yourself so much and you disdain others, and so others would therefore have to prove themselves that they love him. And some would therefore resort to killing themselves to prove that they loved Narcissus enough, right? Killing themselves. And so, uh, now he himself fell in love with himself when he saw his own reflection in the mirror. And this is what drove him to his own death, seeing his self-reflection. And it led therefore then to a Greek kind of a superstition in, in the Greek world that if you, that you shouldn't see yourself, you shouldn't see yourself reflection because it could be fatal. It could lead to your own death or it could be a bad, bad consequence if you see yourself, your self-image. And when I read that, I thought to myself, look how amazing Islam is, Allah Akbar, that our Prophet taught us when you see yourself in the mirror, your own reflection, you say, Allahumma ahsin khuluqi kama ahsanta khalqi. Oh Allah, make my inner form beautiful. Make my character beautiful. Make this inner standard of man within me beautiful and exceptional and excellent the way that you've made my outer form beautiful, excellent. Can you see therefore the contrast and what our Prophet is placing emphasis on? That you might recognize your own standard of beauty, that's absolutely fine because Allah, Tabarakallah, blessed be Allah, Ahsun Khaliqeen, the best of creators, best of formers, shapers, fashioners, but if one is not cognizant of his inner being, then he's unable to unleash within himself the truest of his purpose and potential. Because it's quashed, because it's nothing worthless. All it means is that you're out of form. I, I read an article in a paper by a famous person that said, it says, she, she said, I love everything about my body. And it, uh, my hair, my eyes, you know, my legs, my feet, my face, everything. And the only thing that was absent in the article was I love my character and I love my mannerism and my behaviorism. And I love my speech and I, all the things that were meaningful for her and to, for society were the ones that were absent. And this is what Islam places focus on. Like what is the truest inner being and potential of man? It becomes difficult for us to see for only seeing the gloss and the fabricated images around us and that becomes, therefore, the, the icons of human greatness. Where, in fact, they're not because they're fleeting, passing, and it's just like, it's like, it's called the Kleenex phase of fame. Kleenex, like, you know, the tissue you just swipe your nose, and somebody else comes, and somebody else comes, and that's the end of it, right? And we're growing old at the same time. Our Prophet focused us on, on those key ideals. He would have young children like Abdullah ibn Abbas, who was riding behind him. The ulama, they said, this shows proximity, human closeness. This is the best of Allah's creation, riding with a young, young boy companion, like Ghulam. He says, Ya Ghulam, Ya Ghulam, oh young boy, Inni ka kalimatin, I will teach you some words. 
right? I will teach you some words. You be mindful of Allah and Allah will be close to you. That's, that's inspiration. That's an aspiration. That's something to live for. Even the, the, the statement in its simplicity itself, which is a miraculous statement. Oh young boy, I will teach you some words. Be mindful of Allah and you will find Allah with you all the time. You'll find Allah in front of you. When you ask, ask from Allah. You see graffiti, you see graffiti with Allah. It's about proximity, closeness. He took the hand of his young companion, young boy, Mu'adh ibn Jabal, radiyallahu an, And he held his hand. I mean, that's human. That's not pseudo-proximity, which is self-destructive because you think that you're close to the world. Everything is close to you, but it's distant. And the heart is affected. The Prophet took the young boy's hand and he says, Ya Mu'adh, Mu'adh, inni uhibbuk, I love you. That's the best of Allah's creation saying to his young companion, I love you in the singular. Well, he loved his companions, but it's uhibbuk, in the singular. I love you. Now, what happens when you say that to a child? If you say that to your son or your daughter, I love you. And bringing them close and sitting with them and holding their hand and saying, now they're going to look into your eyes. Oh, really? <laughs> into your eyes. And then he says, Fakul so say, so say something. Now Mu'ad, of course, is attentive. What do I have to say? Allahumma inni ala zikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadika. Oh, I, I ask for your, your aid, your awn, your assistance in remembering you, in thanking you, in worshipping you well. Now we recite that every day, inshallah, after our five daily prayers. It came through Mu'ad, but look at how it came through Mu'ad. Not just the words, but, but the behaviorism, the character, the manners of how he was taught by his teacher, sallallahu And all of us should try and inculcate these things because Allah gave us the best of examples in the Prophet of Allah, sallallahu And so I think the key thing is for us to try and break away so that our children can see and appreciate what is the, the bigger picture outside of, outside of the glass. You see, what happens is that there was an article in a paper called, it was called Compare and Despair. It was my Instagram, Instagram, and about young children's fascination, fixation with Instagram. I'm not saying don't go on Instagram. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that the obsessiveness about Instagram, about your own self-projection. I got to show them you, me, and my image. And why it was called compare and despair is because these young girls were saying that we can't compete with our friends who have more likes than us on their pictures. And so we despair. One girl said, it takes me 20 minutes to take my own picture of myself. 20 minutes, because I can't get it right, because it's never beautiful enough for the world to see how beautiful I am, even though it has all the, the fabricated stuff, you know, on the image. Compare and despair. You're despairing because you're comparing. And that's a self-destructive way of living. And so I was with Adnan Rashid's father, and so we were talking about things, you know, and... Uh, and he said to me, he said, he gave me a story about himself. And he said, when I was, young, when I was small, my, uh, when my parents used to dress me up so nicely, you know, and, and these iron the shirts and the trousers and send me off to school in the morning, uh, my grandfather would come down and he would take my shirt and he would kind of ruin, ruin the kind of the crease marks on the shirt. And he would take some dust and he would you know, put the dust on my shirt and he would... Uh, give me some rupees and say, when you go out, go and see the poor and give this money to the poor. 
And Adnan's father was saying to me that what, this, what he wanted to show me was that, you know, you're, you're beautiful, but don't, th don't make it out as if that self-image of you is the most beautiful thing about you. Because it's not. As fathers, you know, we started a homeless feeding project in Slough some years ago. And we began to take, alhamdulillah, our young children, young children with us to see, see what happens when a child sees his father engaged in something that is socially productive, that is going to alleviate the suffering of others and help people in the world. Take your children to see the poor. Take your children to see the homeless and let them see. Here's a, here's a man that doesn't even have shoes. It could be that I've kind of, because if our kids are watching the same amount of TV every day, for, you know, since the age of five to 15 every day, then they're learning a kind of, you know, they're learning something, which is that your happiness is in your consumption. And the more you consume, the happiness you will be, and the less you consume, happier, the less happier you will be. And that, of course, ties into the whole notion of consumerism because you're just going to become a consumer at the end of the day because you want things. How do you transition from having you know, a, a want which then becomes a need, which then becomes a demand? And everybody thinks the same way. That means you're going to become very like megalomania. Me megalo, megalo means uh, you know, a lot. And mania means madness. And that's megalomania. That's the, the culture of self-indulgence. You become megalomaniacs in society. Why do you think people harm others because they're, they're envious and they're greedy for things that everybody else has? But when you go and see, you take your children, you see the poor, and you tell them to save some of their money to feed the homeless, or to give in Islamic charities, or to go and visit the sick. Allahu Akbar. Visit the sick. Take your child with you to visit the sick, to give, help them with how to say nice words to others to alleviate their own problems, their, their pain and suffering. All of these things I think we should try and practice with our children so that they live in a society that is, where they're not completely entirely bound by, by a kind of a pseudo self-image of greatness, but they realize where the true greatness within following the Islamic guidelines and Islamic value system actually is. May Allah grant all of us Tawfiq, Jazakumullah khairan.